Podcast One production. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. This is another iteration of Hacking the Hackers. Outside of the normal episodes that we do where we look at a certain topic, in these ones we look at people and how they hack their lives and we pass this knowledge on to you. On this episode, Adam and I are talking to Luke Benedictus. He cut his teeth as the editor at Men's Health Magazine and is moving into a new space to empower fathers and their children to instill healthier and happier lives, which we'll get Ben to touch on a little bit later. And Adam, you're excited to talk to him about that. But I want to go through the men's health stuff because I'm really curious about how, how a man who edited thousands of magazines on how to get those rock hard abs or lose weight what was that like doing that for so many years? Welcome to the show, Luke. Thanks very much for having me. It's an amazing experience in men's health. I was there for 10 years. In yeah. The end, and I. Jeez, you would have seen some, some, <laughs> some shirtless <fans>. articles. <laughs> yeah, you some know? shirtless men. You would have seen a lot of stuff on, gee, this again. Absolutely. I mean, I guess I, guess I joined the magazine and... People think, oh, you work at Men's Health, you must be a paragon of, of health and fitness. But I just joined. I was just another journo. You know, we were all dead. Right. But I guess the thing is, working in a magazine like Men's Health, the positive messages, those positive habits, they do rub off on you. And I think by the end, I was certainly healthier and fitter and probably even happier than I was when I started at the beginning. He is a happy man. That's the thing I love about him. <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's why I'm excited about his new project, uh, Fatherhood, which we'll get into later. But um, what were probably some of the most bizarre fads, I suppose, you would have seen over the years at Men's Health? Because there's some weird ones out there, isn't there? Yeah, look, we saw it all at Men's Health. They, I mean, what do we see? We saw Hula Fit, that the, the, the fitness cra- <laughs> craze with the, with the hula hoops. <laughs> there was uh, workout classes on trampolines. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, NASA. Yeah, NASA. <laughs> Flo- um, floating yoga classes on paddle boards. Yeah. I mean, all sorts of things that came up and again and again. And also every year around about, you know, come to the turn of the year, there's always a new, some new crazy stuff about detoxing. That happens again and again. Like, I think <laughs> yeah. last year was all the stuff about activated charcoal. Because yeah. um, I think the idea is, is that with activated charcoal, uh, doctors, if, you, if, you take, if you've ingested poison, yeah. you take some uh, activated charcoal it binds to the poisonous substances and helps oh, flush them through your right. yeah, yeah. there's no real reason to take them on a day-to-day so if you've got like diarrhea or something they say take charcoal because it can help your body get rid of the toxins yeah, but, but think, not just on a tuesday you know? I, yeah <laughs> i think you'd only really need it if you've accidentally like swallowed a bit of weed killer or something, yeah. something like that so yeah there's there's always some new some new trends and and um, I think you, it's always worth having a look at them with a healthy level of skepticism yeah and it's interesting isn't it it's always to get skinny quick yeah. Hawk that gets people in, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What do you think has changed in the health space over 10 years? I think a few things have changed in the health space over the last 10 years. Um, I think from a fitness perspective, there's definitely been a move more towards functional fitness. I think that might be partly because of all the adventure racing, things like the Tough Mudders, that sort of thing. So you're saying men are less concerned about muscles and more concerned about fitness? Well, I think that. You know, I think men still like to, you know, be able to sort of take their shirt off with a little bit of confidence. But I think things like the um, adventure races, things like CrossFit have made guys, they, they don't want to be all show and no go. They, they want to be able to be a little bit more flexible. They want to be able to actually like move a bit more like an athlete. And I mm. think we noticed that with our covers in that initially it used to be like the, maybe six years ago, it used to be the really massive guys like the Rock who'd sell really well. But now I think guys are, just from a, a visual perspective on covers, they're kind of chasing a bit more of a, just a slightly leaner aesthetic. 
Um, yeah, yeah, I like that. They're not wanting to sit around and having eat, you know, tuna and rice all day, and yeah. you know, have eight meals a day to you know look bulky. They're thinking, well, it's I want to be It's expensive to get jacked. Oh, it? it's an expensive and a painful process. I don't yeah. think people realise how hard it is for them guys to get into that sort of shape. Would you agree, Luke? People don't. Yeah, realize. I mean, I think that it's always a challenge. I guess what we like to try and do at Men's Health is show that. It is possible for any guy. So one of the things that work best with the, the celebrity transformations, when we just take a celebrity who wasn't that known for his physique, like a, a yeah. Guy Sebastian or an Osher Gunsberg, and then we'd put them through a bit of a, a 10-week training process and show what you could do from there. But, I mean... I spoke to Osher about this. And I said, yeah, but what did you do after the shoot? Like, did, how did you keep it? You know, he's a pretty fit guy still, but it's what happens after that because, you know, that's what we talk about on the show. Like, how do you keep fit and keep going? That's it. I mean, I think things, both Osher and I think Guy, they both still train with, yeah, they that, did, with yeah. that trainer. So I think it... But, yeah, look, it is hard. And I, I, I'm can pretty much guarantee you that during that those 10 weeks they weren't eating a lot of potatoes or, or drinking many beers so i mean it's to get that six pack wow you've got to be really dedicated and i guess there are a lot of sacrifices and i don't know some people might wonder whether they're all worthwhile because it, yeah. it might mean you know not hanging out with your mates not having yeah. going out for those beers it's true, isn't it? It's finding that balance. And that we always talk about balance is boring. It's very beige at times. But you've got to ask yourself, what's the why behind why you're trying to get fit? Is it just to get your shirt off? Because when, you know, it's cold in the middle of winter or that pie's calling out your name while you're watching the football, you know, just looking good with your shirt off, Alex, isn't enough to sustain that. So it's about long-term health changes and stuff like that. You would have seen lots of fads and different things. So you, yourself, what are some of the, the things you've learned and some of the hacks you apply to your daily life when it comes to, say, for example, diet? What's something you do personally? Look, I think with diet, I don't, I don't really follow a, a strict diet as such, but I just try to keep I try to, try to keep things relatively clean, you know, yep. two thirds of the time. So, look, it's not really interesting, not revolutionary, but I just try to eat as much fresh vegetables as possible, a lot of fish and lean meat, and I do try and watch my carb intake to some yep. degree. So, you know, a lot of nights, my wife and I would just, you know, we'll have a piece of fish, a piece of meat, with it with a huge salad and a bunch of vegetables. But I mean, what I've always found is my downfall is snacks yep. you know I, I think my main meals are okay but if it's 11 o'clock in the morning or mid-afternoon and I'm hungry then I could just you know end up just grabbing a muffin or whatever is around me so what I always works for me is if I just if I make sure if in my desk drawer I've got some nuts or some fruit or even even a carrot that I can eat yeah. Bugs Bunny style you know that keeps yeah. me a bit more on but that's the, a good hack in itself though because you're not saying don't snack don't have any snacks it's about when you are wanting to have a snack load up with the right snacks creating your own environment for success making sure that you've got them safety nets whether it's that high protein bar it's a shake it's a handful of nuts or whatever but having that safety net around you knowing that when you do get hungry you've got the smart options around you so that's a hack in itself isn't it and did you try many of the, the fab diets over the years at Men's Health Yourself did you try many that I did you do the hula hoop one yeah <laughs> no in terms of the fad diets um the only one I've had a real bit of a go with is intermittent fasting yeah have you found that I quite like it actually I like it especially so um at the moment I'm just in the process of moving from Sydney to down to Melbourne I'm going to be staying with my in-laws for, for a few months when I stay with my in-laws you know they're lovely people, but they, they so eat in a, in a slightly different way to, to what, what I'm used to. You Look know? at you dancing around this. <laughs> um, <laughs> Two kids moving with the in-laws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I guess you know every night it's kind of these great big meals, the you know spaghetti bolognese and these amazing desserts and all this sort of thing. And it's kind of uh, it's not going to go down very well with uh, my mother-in-law if I say, "Oh no, Jane, you know that's I haven't got the right you know breakdown of macros there." So. When I'm staying with them for a prolonged amount of time, I just try, you know, I just try to keep my, my window of eating a bit, a bit, yeah, 
compressed it a bit. So, you know, I might, I might start have my first meal of the day at 11 o'clock, yep. you know, have my last meal of the day at 7, exactly. 7.30. That way I managed to stay relatively on the straight and narrow yeah, without yeah. upsetting the, the mother-in-law too much. So you got that flexibility. That's the most important thing about any diet that succeeds. You need that flexibility. Mm. You know, to have a life, you know, that's the thing that a lot of people fail to realise. The reason they do fail is because they have these tight controls and they're too restrictive or they're too extreme. So sleep, you are talking about it earlier, having two two young kids, yeah. mate. You got any tips for the people? There's only like about six years ago I did track my sleep for a little while and the one thing I did find that made a big difference to it was taking a, a magnesium supplement yeah, yeah. about an hour before I went to bed. Um so magnesium, it's been proven to have a lot of calming properties. It promotes mu- mental and muscle relaxation um, and also reduces muscle cramping. That's actually why I started taking it because I yeah, had right. trouble with Getting cramps in the middle of the night. And, uh, <laughs> and it, it helped yeah. calm them down. But um, I think if you are interested in taking magnesium, it is a bit confusing. There's a bunch of supplements out there. Yeah. The one I found was best was one called magnesium glycinate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of the most absorbable forms of magnesium capsule. Powder or capsule? It's capsule. A capsule. Yeah. yeah, and the idea is the magnesium it's bound to glycine, which it's a it's a calming amino acid that helps you helps you to sleep. But if you do go into a chemist, it is confusing. And I think the easy rule of thumb is just go for one which ends in eight ATE. So there's um, there's there's magnesium malate, magnesium citrate, magnesium aspartate, and others. They they're they're the better ones, I've been, or so I've been told. That's a great hack. Glycate, you know, I take about three grams before I go to sleep at night. Ah. And it's really, really effective for, for helping you sleep as well. And better to get, you know, two birds with the, the one stone, take magnesium, glycate, and therefore you're getting some glycate with the magnesium. I always so find out hack. something new about you when we do well, these. Well, you know, it's something <laughs> that it's really, really good. And it's also good for joints as well, glycate. So something I use for my dodgy knees after playing too many years of football. But um, What form do you take that in then? Oh, you can buy glycate, yeah, just an amino acid. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you can certainly get it that way as well. So, and obviously a lot of things are trending these days, um, like bone broth and stuff like that, but glycate's probably, you know, just as good for, you know, that yeah. cartilage and, and uh, you know, as oh, bone broth. Oh, so the gelatinous stuff that's yeah, in bone broth is yeah. similar to all of this. Very similar, yeah. Oh, so all okay. this, you know, gelatin, for example, good old gelatin, you know, you throw that into a, a, a mug with some hot water, you're going to get some great benefits there for your joints as well and, and, you know, there's plenty of ways to skin a cat, isn't there? So everyone's eating bone broth at the moment, which is really interesting. So, mate, um, stress, you know, most of the high-performing people I speak to, they talk about the one common thing they all have is being able to meditate. Do you um, use anything for stress? Look, when it comes to stress, a few years back, probably about six years ago, I interviewed that guy, Dave Asprey. Asprey. Yes. So he's a, he's a famous biohacker. Yeah, who, he's, the guy, he's the guy who's got a website called The Bulletproof Executive. Um, <laughs> And he introduced me to this device. It's called an M-Wave 2. Right. It's basically it's a handheld biofeedback device. It's about the size of a cigarette packet. Yeah. And it's designed to alleviate emotional stress. So wow. basically the idea is, is that I think everyone knows these days that meditation is yeah. You, yeah. But I think the question is, when you're meditating, how do you know if you're doing it right or if you're just, you know, wasting 20 minutes sort of saying om and, and that sort of thing? So what this, the M wave gets around it by it monitors your physiological response. So what happens, you attach this sensor to your ear um, and that measures your heart rate variability. Yeah, right. So that's effectively the amount of time between each heartbeat. So a high HRV rate, that shows that you're relaxed, while a low rate shows that your, your sympathetic nervous system is under strain, causing your body to release stress hormones. So... Basically, what happens by wiring yourself up to this thing for 10 minutes each day, you can monitor your HRV and work on bringing it back to an optimal level. 
And on this device, what happens when you when your HRV rate is low, the light goes red, and by calming your your breathing and by sort of thinking calmer thoughts, the light goes blue, and you make you want it to go green. So basically, it's like a sort of form of of guided meditation. Yeah. Um, and again, I guess relaxation as a concept is so nebulous, isn't it? Yeah. But what what reassures me a bit about the M wave is that it's getting embraced now by all sorts of quite hard headed people. So. They use it now in the US military. Some people at NASA have been using it. Um, some sportsmen in the NFL have been using it. Yeah. Some of the kickers who come off the bench and then they have to take a, a conversion or whatever you call it in NFL, they take it. So um, I guess that what I like about it is it, it's, it's, it's meditation in, in some sort of form, but it gives you facts and figures that actually make you know. Measurable you meditation. Yeah, it's yeah. measurable. You know what they say, if, it, if it's not measurable, it's not yeah, manageable. Yeah. And, so it, and it turns it into a bit of a game. So... I don't know. I, I, I know I should probably do proper meditation, but uh, I just don't have the attention span. No, well, it's, it's the physiological response you're trying to get. There's no right way or wrong way of doing yeah. anything. That's what we are as health hackers, finding what works for you. I've just actually bought the Muse headband, which is a very similar device that gives you biofeedback on meditation. And David Asprey also recommends that now, so he's probably making a few bucks out of recommending <laughs> just that. Just to keep your hair back. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. keep the hair out of my eyes. But um, <laughs> it's certainly something I'm, I'm really interested in hacking and giving a go as well in the new year. I'll let everyone know how it goes with meditation, but it gives you that feedback as well. And as athletes, we use heart rate variability to tell us when we're ready to train. So it's something we've used over the years um, as professional athletes when your heart rate variability isn't ideal, you have an easy day of training. So uh, an easy way for somebody out there if they want to know if they're ready to go for a hard run or a hard gym session is actually just take their heart rate. So, for example, if it's 10 beats above their normal heart rate, they should have an easy day of training. So there's a little hack there for everyone as well. So, And I I spoke about um, meditation, stress. We've spoken about hacking a number of different things, but happiness, mate, have you got any little tips? Because we're all searching for happiness now, I think, in the wrong places, whether it's through materialistic wealth, buying a bigger house, having a faster car. Um, I don't know if you're going to find it living with the in-laws. But, uh, <laughs> how do you find happiness, mate, yourself? Again, look, this isn't a very original one, but I think it really just does come down to to the idea of gratitude yeah. and counting your blessings. And, you know, at the end of a day, if you just kind of think, you know, what are the three best things that have happened to me today, rather than just focusing on the stresses and strains, it really comes down to just focusing on the positive and, look, I wouldn't say, you know, I'm I'm sort of grinning ear to ear every day, yeah. but definitely it helps me. It's it's basically just stop and spell, spell the roses every now and again. Yeah. So I think gratitude is really important. Well, I must admit that he lives by his word and one of the things that I really get cranky when I see uh, Luke is how happy he is always, particularly being a young father, which builds us into this segue about his new project, his new passion project. But you know, I know what it's like the sleepless nights. They're testing. My patience is on empty. I see Luke and, you know, he's a dad that's got a smile from ear to ear. Tell us about this new passion of yours and how the hell are you so happy being a dad that's so sleep deprived? <laughs> Basically, um, myself and my two partners, we're launching a new online platform called The Fatherhood. And what we're creating really is a, is a, an, a website that's designed to help dads navigate through the, the howling chaos of, of having kids to a place where they're living their best lives as men. So... I guess the thing is, Adam, I mean, because dads, we get a bit of a bad bad deal, really, don't we? I mean, just the very word dad, yeah. it's kind of used as a, a prefix for something being a bit crap. You know, you think dad dancing, dad jeans, <laughs> dad bod, that sort of thing. Um, and add to that, that, most dads in popular culture, they always end up being, they're always the couch potatoes or the buffoons. You know, you think of like Daddy Pig and Peppa Pig or <laughs> Homer Simpson or Phil Dunphy. Um and so with our new website, what we really want to do, we want to celebrate fatherhood because 
we believe that actually, you know what, becoming a father is really like the Champions League of, of manhood. Yeah. You know, it's the greatest opportunity a man can get to to be better than he's ever been before, to be stronger, to be more patient, more compassionate. Um, so it's a really great opportunity. So the Fatherhood, it's a website that's going to deliver information, inspiration, um, and most importantly, support for all those dads out there. Because like, the truth is, it's fatherhood, it has changed. It's become more hands-on and more challenging than ever before. And I remember, Adam, actually speaking to you, this shows just how much it has changed. Yeah, I remember you telling me about <laughs> when you were born... Where was your dad? Your dad wasn't in the delivery room. He was in the, the pub. pub. Come two days later. <laughs> so so your, your dad was in the, in the pub yeah. when you were born. But when your daughters were born, you weren't just in the delivery room. You were so clued up about the yeah. whole process. You were actually giving the midwife specific yeah. directions about what, you know, you were directing yeah. her. Like, but you're right. It, it's, it's such a, a changing landscape now where, where fathers are now burdened with this responsibility to contribute more and more. And you know, how do we navigate through this this landmine of how to be a good dad? And that's where Luke's website, I think, is going to be so helpful as a resource and that support network. So, you know, congratulations for doing this. It's a passion project for you because you've jumped out of a huge platform of men's health where you've been so successful into something with no safety net, no parachute. You're, this is a new project for you. And, you know, it takes a lot of courage to do that, but it's something you truly believe in. That's why you're going to be successful. Well, we're really excited about it. And I think all the stats show that all the dads out there today – we're more actively involved in our kids' lives than ever before. I found a great um, study the other day. It was from the University of Warwick. It said that in 1982, this is in the UK, 43% of dads had never changed a nappy. But wow. by 2000, that number had changed to just 3%. So now we're 18 years on from there. Um, and so those figures would be even, even lower. So that's a really positive thing. It's a really positive thing that dads are getting more involved in their kids' lives. But it's not it's not without its challenges, is it? You know, we're dads, but we're often still the family breadwinners. And, you know, we do often face a real challenge trying to juggle those things to, yeah. to make it work. So hopefully our website, The Fatherhood, it can play a small role in giving dads a bit of support and in- inspiration to, you know, step up and, and really, really enjoy that role. Because I'm not going to lie, you have your moments, don't you, yeah, as yeah, a dad? Yeah. But... um on the good days, there's nothing like it. So how do you make it work? Because you're always so bloody happy. You know, I won't lie to you. I see you with a smile. Is it the attitude of gratitude? Is you're focusing on the positives? Or I uh, look, I think I wouldn't say I'm always happy. Yeah. I think you always always catch me on a good day, perhaps. But I think look, I had I had my children quite late in life. I, I had my I've got two. Uh, I've got a seven month old and a two year old. I had my first one when I was forty. Um, and I think I just had my kids at a time in my life when I was just really, I was just really up for it. You know, yeah, I don't yeah. feel, you know, I've, I've been lucky. I've, you know, done a bit of travel. I've, you know, got my, my sort of, I don't know, partying and my nonsense. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like I'm giving anything You've ticked up all the so boxes. Much. You've ticked the boxes. Well, possibly, but I just, <laughs> it's just, it's happened to me at a time in my life when I, I'm just really up for this new thing. And, and, I, and I, so I do appreciate it. Um, and, but look, some days it's easy and some days it's not so easy. I mean, we've got a slogan for the fatherhood that, you know, being a dad, it's life turned up to 11 because, yeah, you get those highs, but you also get those those crushing lows. And if you'd seen me this morning at 4 a.m. with a, a screaming baby in my arms, you know, I wouldn't have been quite so uh, so chipper. <laughs> so how do, you, how do you hack that when the baby is crying at 4 a.m. in the morning and you've got to get up for work the next day? Is it the, what you focus on? Well, I think that's where that, that coffee I mentioned before, yeah. that does come in useful. Look, I I think it's a bit like take each day as it, as it comes. I mean, in terms of dad hacks, I'm still on my L plates to some extent. Yeah. You know, I've, I've got two, two under two. 
one dad hack that I do use a lot that isn't very sophisticated but it works for me is that, I don't know, you know what it's like. You pick up one of your kids and by the end of it, you're about, you want you're about to leave for work and by the end you've either got some snot or some puke or God knows what <laughs> all over you. One thing I have started doing, I, now when I put on my T-shirt around the house, I wear it inside out and then just before I go outside, <laughs> good I time. quickly flip it and, and turn, it, turn it back the right way That's around. That's so good. So, uh, That's a great hack. I love it. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. Tell me how the website works. Like, are you going to be providing hacks like that or is it a, is it a community space for people to come on? What's that process like when we get involved so it's going to be, there's a mix of all sorts of articles. So some of it is, going, we're going to be, we've got some interviews with some great successful successful men who are dads from, you know, Chris Hemsworth to, to David Beckham's explaining what they, the part of fatherhood that they've struggled with and how they've managed to get around it. There are going to be some articles that are purely going to be advice about how to how to tackle some of the more demanding. Yours um, with the inside out shirt one. Inside inside out, one, yeah, that's uh, definitely going on the on the front page. Maybe not actually. And look, but I mean, some of it also I think is just about support. I mean, you think as dads, when when a child is born, mums they have their mothers groups all around them. Dads, it can be quite an isolating process becoming a dad you know suddenly your life kind of is reduced to probably like work and kids and you know often you, it means you don't get a chance to see see your mates and so it can be quite an isolating period there's a lot of stuff about mental health with fathers they say that one in five mums suffers from postnatal depression but they now reckon that one in ten dads do as yeah, well wow. so, what do you put that down to I guess it just it's just it's just such a shock, isn't it? Like mm. becoming a father. It changes everything. It changes every part of your life, from your relationship to your attitude towards your job to you know, suddenly you've probably got some more financial stress. So it you've suddenly got a lot on your plate. So sometimes I think with the fatherhood we're gonna be providing support, but sometimes just we're just gonna be, you know, a bit of a shoulder and a form of sympathy for, for dads out there. So it's gonna be a real the it's gonna be a real mix of of articles and also I think also it's important to uh, give a dad a good laugh as well. So there'll definitely be some humour in there as well. And do you think the fact that you are now a father, you're more motivated to stay fit and healthy? I think it's something that being a father has actually changed my attitude towards fitness in that like, you know, a few months ago I was kicking a ball around with my, my two-year-old and I was just like, you know, he's, he wasn't even two then. I kind of like kicked the football and like, you know, I felt my hammy a bit. And look, <laughs> because I'm an older dad, I do definitely want to, I want to be able to stay flexible and yeah. agile so that I can go I can play around with them I mean look my father he died when I was 11 he died he died of lung cancer and and yeah look I suppose it has made me reflect a lot about what I missed with him and I definitely would like to to be around for for my kids as well yeah. um but in terms of actual fitness I think it has also changed the way that I do train because yeah. I think while I enjoy going to the gym the truth is I don't always have time to like you know go and drive to the gym and yeah, find yeah. A, car, a parking space and that sort of thing so in terms of training i've definitely now gr- gravitate more towards the, the more sort of tabata style yeah. training where you know you can just do a home yeah, workout a home workout a 10 minutes here a 10 minutes yeah. there which is that's more along the lines of, of your form of training yeah. isn't it? snack exercising yeah. i yeah. like to call it and you know trying to hack into a, them periods of time like playing with your kids is exercise you know, now I look at it, I'm like, you know, I'm exactly like Luke. I think, well, I can go to the gym and maybe get a sore back for a week, lifting them stupid heavy weights, and then I can't run around my kids and enjoy them. So I try to find more functional forms and, and you know, try to play games with them. And there's nothing worse. I remember when I first had my first child and I, I went to the gym with my mates and I still had a bit of an ego after being an athlete, lifting a stupid amount of weight, doing a deadlift, and I come home, my little daughter wanted to play piggy chase. 
And I had a sore back and I'm like, oh, I can't play. And she just started bawling her eyes out because she didn't understand yeah. that I, daddy had a sore back from lifting stupid weights. So as a parent, your whole paradigm shifts from what becomes important. And you touched upon it before, you know, losing your dad, I lost my dad. It becomes a powerful force. You want to be there for your kids. Yeah. And that's what I say to people. When it is rainy or it's cold outside and you don't want to get up and move, think about what your why is, not just to look good in a pair of swimmers in summer or a good motivation is not to embarrass your kids at the beach, get rid of the rashy <laughs> so you can hide that belly. But yeah, finding what your why is, is really important. And you know, Luke said, you know, you've got to be a good role model. I think that's what's got to drive you, not just influencing your kids, but when you look at statistics, which scare me, these kids that are being born today are going to have shorter lifespans than their parents for the first time ever in our history of humankind. And that's because of the bad habits we're teaching them. So, you know, if you're a parent out there, what's your advice to them? I think you're dead right in that your kids are always watching. They're always watching. As I said, my, my oldest son, he's only two, but sometimes he will like pick up my, my work bag and like he'll, you know, grab, grab the phone and like sort of go to, as if he's like leaving, <laughs> leaving that. They're always watching. So I think you've just got to model those correct behaviors. And, you know, it's not just, it's not good enough to be a, you know, do as I say, not as I do. You've got to model those healthy behaviors. And, um, I'm just at the very start of that journey with my, my kids. I know that you're, you're further further along it. I think suddenly, since becoming a dad, I'm suddenly so much more aware of my own behaviour and wanting to be a positive role model. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and I suppose that does bring a bit of pressure. I had, a, I had a really bad moment, actually, like last week where I was getting the baby into the car and, and my other son was crying in the car and this woman like drove past and she honked on the horn and I kind of... I'm not proud of myself, but I kind of yelled, yelled, <laughs> yelled at her and uh, not using the most um, uh, polite language. And I kind of thought, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. And, and before, I mean, I, I wouldn't make, I don't think I'd like to make, make a habit. No, yeah, two-year-old's first words. <laughs> yeah. Are, you know. yeah. So I think it does make me sort of just, it does, it's made me raise my, raise the bar in terms of my own behavior. And uh, because I do want to be a positive role model to my sons. Have a good legacy. Is there anyone out there that you look to for inspiration as fatherhood goes? Is there anyone you think that's nailed it, particularly from a celebrity point of view that you've seen so far? Oh, look, it's so difficult, isn't it? Because you you never know what really goes on inside inside there. I'm going to write down what I think you're going to say and then you're going to say it because I reckon I know. I'm just writing it down so Adam can prove. Well, I mean, I suppose, I suppose, in terms of the people we've interviewed for the fatherhood that is, is coming out, I suppose Chris Hemsworth yep, is there it one. is. All right, yeah. Chris Hemsworth. Everyone thinks yeah. he's the coolest dad ever. But I suppose what he's done is that he's kind of... He's, what does he do? Well, he's built his career around his kids. So he's part of the reason he's taking on all those Marvel films is so that he can base himself in Byron and, you know, be around for, it, for his kids. So, look, I haven't met him myself, so I haven't seen that... But like, my, you're not the only one. Yeah. I hear it constantly because you know, we work in media. Everyone's like, Chris Hemsworth is the man. Like no one can fault this guy. And he's just the top dad. Then there's photos of him surfing with his kids. So, you know, it. he's kind of a, a nice beacon where weirdly in society we idolise these people. But if, you know, if even someone like that in that world where you could turn to being a knob really quickly, if he can figure it out, it's almost someone, it's a nice example to set for anyone just to go well you can sort it out too yeah i mean so i i would put him up there and again just because i interviewed him a few weeks ago i mean david beckham would have to be up there just in that when i interviewed him the one thing he said i thought was really interesting because i think with beckham i think we kind of forget what actually he was like as a player because Mm. as a player david beckham 
he was just a really hardworking, determined, honest player. He'd just run and run and run, and he just like practice. He wasn't necessarily the most talented, but he just practiced so much. And his whole career is built on his work ethic and stamina. And I said to him, "Look, David. I mean, obviously, your kids—they're gonna—they've got a very different upbringing to you. You had as a, as a working class boy from you know from Essex. How do you instill that that work ethic in them?" And he said, it, "Look." I just have to, I, I have to, even though my playing career is over, I've just still got to provide them with that example. So I make sure I leave the house at nine o'clock and I go to the office and he gets involved in all these things, whether it's, you know, his UNICEF charities or, you know, his football, his new football franchise in the MLS and, and all these things because he really wants to model the fact that it's your hard work that leads to success. And even though his kids have been brought up in a life of luxury, he really wants to drum home that without hard work, it's nothing really matters. Yeah, very interesting point, isn't it? So setting a, a good example by monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. Fascinating. So for you, I think that's such an interesting thing that we go to places like your website, The Fatherhood, and we look at how to be a better father. But then really the whole point of being a father is to teach your children, and they do. They're sponges from what I've told. I don't have any, but they <laughs> learn from looking at you. If you could take the, the top three things of what you think from your research so far, and I granted it's new for you, of what a, uh, you should instill in fatherhood, what would they be if I had to put you on the spot? What are the top three things of being a top dad? Well, I think the first thing is just, just to be around, just to be present, you know? Um, so if you're always at the, if you're, if you live in the office and, and we're working like 80 hours a week, yes, you might be providing a great lifestyle for your family, but your kids don't really, really care so much about that. I just think it's about being being there for your kids, whether that's, you know, being there for bath time or there to read a, a bedtime story, but just to just to be around for your kids. And I think the second thing is kind of linked to that is that when you are around your kids, be engaged with them. You know, don't spend all your time at the playground on the phone. Um, <laughs> which is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because it, it's so easy, you yeah. know. I mean, like, I, I, you know, it's really tempting. When you're there, you know, be there. You yeah. know, when you're watching your slide, you're watching your, your kid, like, go on the slide for the zillionth time in a row, It, you know, it like, a lot of fatherhood is, like, mind-numbingly boring. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, if, you, if you're on your phone, then it doesn't, it doesn't really work like that. And I think, finally, as we've sort of t- touched on, I think probably the most important thing is just to, just to set set a good example and just to model the behaviour that you would like your your son or daughter to model because they're always watching, they're always watching, whether it's good or bad, they are sponges and they they, they do seep it all up. Great advice. The website is the-father-hood, thefatherhood.com, the-father-hood.com. Luke Benedictus, thank you so much for coming in. It was nice to learn about uh, how to be a dad, even though I'm not one yet. <laughs> Have we inspired you? Uh, yeah. It was a bit hard to sort of do anything now with two blokes in the room, but uh, it's really exciting. Uh, if you want to find out more about Adam McDougall as well, head to adammcdougall.com.au or themanshake.com.au. This has been Hacking the Hacker with Luke Benedictus. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall is recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Produced by Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Nick Slater. Executive producer is Jamie Show. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app.